The Diary of a Harlequin is proudly brought to you by Charles Stanley Wealth Managers, official player welfare partner of Harlequins. If you're looking to start your investment journey, then Charles Stanley has lots of tips and ideas on how to secure your financial future. Welcome to the Diary of a Harlequin. I'm your host, Joe Yates Round, and today we'll be talking to Tyrone Green about what it takes and what it means to be a Harlequin. Tyrone joined Quinns in 2020 to little fanfare, but with huge promise. Moving to England from South Africa, he was made to wait for his full debut, but announced himself with a brace of tries against Newcastle Falcons that season that on re-watching, you could call trademark. An explosive runner, he was man of the match in the Harlequin semi-final win over Bristol in 2021, known amongst fans as the miracle of Bristol. Away from the pitch, he's recently become a father for the first time and has committed his future to Harlequins by signing a new long-term deal. Welcome, Tyrone. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Oh, it's great. It's great to have you on the on the podcast. Um, so let's kind of go go back, I guess, to we start when you joined Quinns, and we'll go back even further if that's all right. Because you came into Quinns 2020, height of the pandemic, moving over from South Africa. What was that whole experience like? Cause it must have been a huge leap into the unknown for you. Yeah, no, I think coming over in general is a big leap. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think COVID made it easier but hard at the same time because COVID is something new, uh, surprises everyone. So it was something to get used to, but it meant a new start for me also. So mm-hmm. when that hit, it was like almost the end of a chapter and starting a new chapter for me. Wow. So coming over with... Uh, my fiance at the time was actually looking forward to it. Um, growing up, it's one of the goals to come over and play uh, at an international club or in England. So it was actually looking forward to it more than actually anxious, if I can put it that way. Yeah, it was kind of like, it was a natural break. So you were kind of like, well, I'm ready. Then if there's going to be a break, I may as well have a big change. Yes, there you go. Exactly like that. I think COVID almost made that decision a little bit easier. Uh, mm. It's almost like okay. It's always been in my head for prior to COVID. There were a couple of months where I was thinking about it. So when COVID hit, it's almost like, okay, now I can make a clean break. So it actually in the end worked out and I'm really enjoying it at the moment. Well, it's, it's certainly worked out. You make a clean break and then you, you come in and win the, win the premiership. But we'll come back on to, come back on to that. Um, just one bit of housekeeping. If you can hear some, some background noise today, uh, we're actually here at the stoop on the day that the, uh, the team are training. So, um, that's what the background noise is. It's not uh, the hordes of fans being kept at bay because uh, we've got Tyrone uh, on the podcast. No offence, Tyrone. Um, <laughs> so let's go back further then. So you started your career out in South Africa. You came over to the UK. You were still quite young in the career of a, a rugby player, but you'd had, what, two, three years of experience of playing kind of top-level rugby. At what point in your rugby career was rugby a viable option for you? Were there other sports? Was there other life? Was it a hobby? Like, how did you kind of come to it? Uh, so, yeah, I grew up playing rugby. So um, it was one of those where from the age of five, four years old, I used to play that tag rugby. And yeah. back in South Africa, it's a bit more <laughs> rougher than what it is here <laughs> at that age. Um, but, yeah, I grew up playing all sports, uh, rugby, cricket, athletics, and even football to an extent. Um, but... I think rugby was always that one that stuck close to me. Um, I enjoyed the contact uh, side of it and I was good at it from a young age. So <laughs> it really did help push me in that direction. Um, but yeah, and I think as a kid, I loved 
sport in general. I wasn't a big person in terms of class and stuff like that. I couldn't wait to get back on on training field with the with my friends and everything. So I think for me, from a young age, it was always a goal. I think in primary school, always had teachers warn you that that's yeah. not a viable option because not anyone can make it. But it's one of those where you enjoy it so much, you just keep pushing at it. And then I think probably age of 13, I ended up making my provincial team and got a bursary to high school. Oh, wow, okay. And I think that's when it really actually became that, that took a bigger step uh, into my rugby career. And it was just from there, it's gone well, but also ups and downs that's really <laughs> stood out. Yeah, well, I'd say that's the, the nature of a career professional sports right those those ups and downs but also how unlikely it is to be a professional sports person when you actually think about the amount of people that love playing sport so you kind of seem quite sound quite relaxed about it but i imagine you were quite intense in the best way in terms of when you knew you were good at it and you could do it that you were going to work really hard at it would that be fair yeah no definitely i think working hard is probably the thing that gets a lot of people in terms of to the place where they are when they're successful in their career. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the realization that you can make it, mm-hmm. I think that's 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 probably the first step, but the rest is that you actually need to do it to get there. Yeah. Um, so I think, like you say, it's, it's the intent was always there. It's like, um, now I can make it and now I actually need to put the work in and do it. And I think then it just becomes more desperate for that, for that success yeah. and even makes you work harder to an extent because it's within your grasp. Yeah, I, that's interesting actually that it's it's something then that becomes part of your control. I guess it was that moment for you at, at 13 when you got that um, that bursary to, to go to high school that you suddenly go, well, actually, if I really go for it, this is now there beyond being a dream that teachers or other people may say, oh, pursue it but you might not get there you're like oh no actually now it's in my control to achieve it yeah i think i think that it was exactly that probably at 13 because the year before i i didn't make the the squad mm-hmm. so it was a bit at, at that age you, you're young you don't really understand yeah. the hardships at 13 i made the squad but i was still from a very small town extremely small town yeah. <laughs> so i made the provincial squad um but then the next year i moved to johannesburg or the the school was in johannesburg so making that big leap to now it's a big city, the schools are much um, yeah. bigger, the, the competition's tougher. Making that step, and like, okay, maybe I can make it work there. And then my first year went really well. Uh, I think also it's one of those where my mentality in terms of the physicality, at that age some boys aren't like not willing to really throw their bodies. <laughs> and I think because I was like coming from a small town, it wasn't that hard. You normally just throw your body into the... So I think for me, yeah, like you said, probably when I made that step from 13 to 14, going to the, onto the bigger stage, but like still still young. So yeah. but that was a big, like, okay, now I can actually start going big for it. And you talk about that, that physicality. I mean, even right at the start, you said that one of the reasons that rugby stood out for you was because of the, the contact. And that was something you enjoyed, which is certainly not true for me. Um, <laughs> but like... You say coming from a, a smaller town, going to, to to Johannesburg. Were you more prepared for that physicality? Then were you having to play with guys that were older, bigger than you, kind of from a younger age? So it's it's it's. I wouldn't say not not really older, but there were probably boys bigger. Um, mm-hmm. But it's more like I'm willing to like 
throwing my body, I enjoyed that that part of physicality. Where some okay. boys probably enjoyed more the skill level, the passing, and didn't like getting smashed. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't think anyone likes it. But at that age, I, I was actually more inclined to it. Uh, the older I get, the older I got, I I just started shifting away from it. <laughs> my body became a bit more important. <laughs> but yeah, I think the younger was I, I actually really enjoyed that part. So I think that. Helped me stand out even on yes. even when I went to the bigger school. That gave me that that slight edge over quite a few of the boys. Um, but yeah, I think the older you get, the smarter you get, and the more yeah you have to protect yourself. <laughs> <laughs> but you've done your body's done the hard yards, then, so yeah. you can afford the protection. So educate me and 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 our listeners then in terms of what happens next in the South African provincial schools system. So you're 13, 14, you've got that that bursary and you're playing rugby a lot more more regularly in, in Joburg. How does that then progress from there to making the step up to professional rugby over those next few years? So with us at school rugby in South Africa is very big. Uh, like that like with our derby there, we as JP versus Kids, we had ten thousand supporters wow. for a high school game. Yeah. So it's one of those where the school rugby is quite big there. So it's just almost like you got provincial levels from under 16 and under 18. Okay. So under 16, I made my provincial colours, which I was uh, very happy about. Also had quite a few coaches who liked the side, uh, my type of style of play. So mm. that did um, help a lot and gave me a lot of advice. And then I think around 18 level is where it really starts to step up to another level because wow. you got your Craven Week, uh, which is one of the biggest tournaments or under-age tournaments in South Africa. Mm-hmm. And then you can make your SS schools colours from there where okay. you will play against some of the teams. Like England came down that year. I think Italy. Mm-hmm. France came down that year to us also. Oh, wow, okay. So um, that was quite cool. So I ended up making my provincial colours under mm-hmm. 16 and under 18. Um and then I ended up making the SA schools B team, yeah. which was quite uh, a big achievement for me. And I think for me, the biggest obstacle was when I was 17, I ended up picking up multiple injuries. Mm. So after my season, and the 16th season, I picked up my first, my knee injury. I played, I came back from that and then played three months rugby, uh, about half a season. And then I ended up doing my other knee injuries so i basically missed about a year through injuries uh, in a year at what age 17 18 17 uh 16 17 yeah 16 17 wow that's that's a lot of time away from the sport at that kind of formative age was it tough coming back into it then kind of at the other side of that when your peers had all progressed over the course of that year i think it it was tough but i was desperate by then right because okay. missing when you're 18, it's your, basically your last year that you can fight to get a, a contract out of school. Okay. So uh, I realized I had one more chance. Uh, that's what, to an extent, I was lucky it happened a year earlier and not a year later. So I was at 18, you're playing under 18, so I was in my final year and I was at my best. Um, whereas a year earlier, there would have been boys older than me around there. So yeah. it's one of those, when I came back, I knew I had one more chance, so I wasn't too focused on like like other boys and stuff like that. For me, it was more in the fact that I need to be desperate to get this opportunity. Mm-hmm. And 
luckily things went well for me that year and I ended up uh, making both the provincial and the SA team. So got a contract to the senior level. But do you think that some of the the success of that year is down to it being so simplified for you? That that was your that was the one year, one chance you kind of had to go for it. It wasn't like you'd had the year before where you were kind of there or thereabouts, and then you was like, Oh, do I get another chance this year? Do you do you think that that, that did help or was that really the only option was to succeed at that point? So I th- for me it was I think it was probably the only option. Mm. It was one of those that if I wanna get out and get into a good team out of school and actually get into a team where I have some um, merit behind me yeah. uh, and some like I've proved myself. I don't have to uh, start all over. And I think for me, it's coming back from injury mentally is the biggest thing. It's like mm. if you mentally can't get over your injury and come back, you're not going to be able to deliver on any uh, scale. So I think for me, it was sport in life and everything. It's all about your mindset so if you can't get that right from the beginning in anything you do I think you're going to struggle in life so for me it's one of those where from a young age I learned that so and I've stuck with it and how and how would you describe your mindset what does that what does that look like you mentioned sport but in in life generally are you the sort of person that that believes that if you do I don't know you work 100% work really hard that the results will follow or to not sweat the small stuff or like what what do you put your mindset down to and how would you describe it it's, it's, it's one of those where it's it's, it's always uh, stuff to explain so in rugby it's always that my mindset's always been i need to do the best i can do mm. can't do more and i can't control the uncontrollables mm. so if something's out of my control i, I don't worry about it uh, uh, but if i've done something to let that's led to a bad uh, decision then i know i need to fix that so for me, it's one of those where if my mind is, is, is correct, it's like if I'm on the field and I'm panicking mm-hmm. because I've made a mistake, doesn't help anyone, doesn't help the team, doesn't help me. Um, or feel similar. Uh, I always try to keep a happy side. Um, yeah. Me and my little family is very <laughs> happy on that. So And it's one of those where if I can't control mm-hmm. it, I can't control it. And I'm quite laid back, so I don't get upset I don't get like I'm quite chilled with a lot of things so um but yeah I think the mindset for me it's basically it's you need to like you need to always push for the best in whatever you do but it's almost you need to make sure you also have a relax you're relaxed if you overdo everything in your uh, in your life and you don't have any time for rest I think you're gonna burn yourself out and then do you think that that mindset, did you have that before you experienced this injury at 16, 17, or do you think that was kind of forged throughout that experience? I think a bit of both. I think, I don't know, I don't know how I, I do, I've always been desperate in terms of playing and mm. doing things. I've always like, I've always wanted to achieve things. Yeah. Um, my biggest goal in life is to have a very happy family when I'm older and live a very comfortable life in terms of financially and stuff like that. Mm. And that, that's my number one priority in life. It's everything else leads to that, uh, yeah. whether it be work, whether it be rugby, all of that, that the end goal is to make sure me and my family are happy at the end of the, uh, at the, end of the day and financially stable to make um, a living for our kids and grandkids if we have to. So I think for, for me that, that mindset's always been with me since I was young. Yeah. And I think injury-wise... That helped me, in fact, of knowing that 
Okay, now there's not, there are setbacks. There are setbacks and I can't do anything about it after the setback. So I think for me, once the, the, the setback was, once I realized that I can actually make an opportunity out of it, yeah. then I thought, so that's when my mindset shifted and fixed and was actually honed throughout the injury because I can actually overcome it and even get better. And do you think having those longer-term goals, right, in terms of the happiness of you and your family and then the financial security that kind of goes along with that has been grounding throughout school, rugby, life generally, that at the end of the day you can look back and go, Am I happy? Is my fiance and wife happy? Is the little child happy? Like that that's helped you with everything that, that kind of comes along what's down the track. Yeah, I think definitely. I think it's almost like when I achieve something and I've made a big step in my career and stuff like that, it's almost like remembering this is just the start. Like yeah. the goal at the end of the day is to be at the highest level and reach my my goal of, like I say, financial security and having a happy family, living a comfortable life. Um, and that almost prevents me from taking my foot off the pedal. Yeah. Um, and one of those where it's probably that's, that's like I say, driven me to keep to keep going. And it's almost like naturally in life, you let small things slip and stuff like that. Mm. But that sometimes brings, it brings you back. And I say, okay, I can't let that happen again because this is the goal. Yeah. And even though I've achieved now recently, I can't... I would say short-term success is not yeah. the goal at the end. It's long-term success. Yeah, and in order to get long-term success, sometimes there'll be bumps on the road, right? Definitely, definitely. that's what you're learning from. Yeah, and, and I think, like I said, if you can learn a way to grow from those, mm. I think it will just make you better in life and everything. Fascinating. Thank you for sharing that. Um, that's, that, that's really interesting. I think it will help, hopefully, people start to understand you as a person as, as well and kind of go, that's what... That's what's underpinning you. So I imagine, particularly in sport, right, one of the bigger challenges is not letting yourself get carried away by the highs and not letting the highs become too high and then not letting the lows become become too low, right? So when you get that call-up, so let's go back to what, you know, you're 18, you've got that call-up, you've made your provincial colours, um, call-up to the South Africa schoolboys. That must have felt like a huge, huge high and it could have been easy at that point to go, I've done it. Yeah. Amazing. And kind of take your foot off the gas. But then... You then pushed on and, and went, okay, no, what, what's next? So what, what was next? What happened next after that for you? So after that, so I ended up having a really good tournament. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's also when you get there and you realise you're not the only good one out there. <laughs> and there's a lot of good players. <laughs> yeah. You need to keep pushing. Uh, but yeah, I ended up having a good year that year. And then I ended up signing a contract for the Lions, mm. Golden Lions. So uh, junior contract at the time. Um also think the junior level there is quite competitive. Mm. Uh, so under 19, I'm 21. Each got their own competition locally. Okay. Uh, so I ended up playing under 19 level um, for, yeah, Lions. Um, we won the tournament that season. We had a quite a good team, to be fair. Um, the following year, I was 20, playing for my, the under 21 team. Yeah. Um, um, I ended up also making the... S under twenty team that year. Oh wow! So yeah, of course. yeah. That 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 was also one of the big achievements in my career. Um, I think that was probably the goal. That's that's the first uh, big goal coming out of school is to make that under twenty team right, and okay. stuff like that. Yeah. Um, 
Um, so yeah, that was that was that was really good. We ended up playing in France. Oh, um, against Marcus. <laughs> we lost what semi final against them by one point. So what we were thirteen points behind. Scored two tries, missed one conversion. I think it was 32-31, lost the semi-final against them. And then, yeah, they got a bit of a hiding from France in the final, so <laughs> uh, That must have been a, a mad experience for you. Was that kind of your first international kind of tour in terms of with this? Yes, that was, that was a big international tour. Like, uh, it was... S under twenty, I mean S under eighteen is schools level. Mm. Teams come over, so it wasn't too too massive. But S under twenty is one of the big tournaments that's out there. That's yeah. I think everyone thrives to make. Uh, I know a few of our boys recently made the squad, so which yeah. is quite good. So I think it's one of those. Where I think everyone wants to make that because that the next step at international level is your main team. Yes. So this is that's the first step to get into those situations. Um, but I, I it was great experience. Loved it. Um, yeah. A really good time. Um, I think it's it's like playing against Marcus that time uh, in Tamak in France. Yeah, played against him. Uh, so yeah, no, it was a good tournament, and I think that was also helped take another step further in my career. I think. Yeah, and and I think probably with the would you say that the experience you gain from that playing against different sorts of opposition and different sorts of players made you a better player when you got back to South Africa. Yeah, I think definitely. I think almost a different style to an extent. Like mm. we played against France in the group stage, uh, and they were just massive. Their forward pack was massive, and that's coming from a South African team. <laughs> so their forward pack was massive. So we struggled on the basis where we normally strong. Yes, we lost. Yeah. We lost that. That so we had to try a different approach. Uh, playing against. Um, England, very tough game, very good game, but then you've got your Curry twins. Yeah, of one of them. One of them were playing the other one already made his senior debut, um, and then Marcus was there, so people were pulling strings and stuff like that. So that was a good contest. Like I say, losing by one point, and then we played against New Zealand, who love throwing the ball around. Yeah, in the third and fourth playoff, so um, we beat them in the third and fourth playoff. But that was also like comparing them to France. The styles of play were almost completely different, so wow. it was it was a very good experience, but also eye opening. It's like it's it's nice. It's it's good to see different styles out there, and it's you learn a few things from from uh, boys playing at that level. And I guess also that there's just there's not one way to be successful, right? So you know, playing in South Africa, you'd be easy to kind of go, well, I'm just going to play this way. This is how we're going to do it, and that's the way. And then so after that, after the Under Twenties World Cup. What's then the, the timeline and the progress for you when you get back to South Africa? What happens next in terms of so your, your club career? I got back uh, after that. It was so that mostly my my when I was twenty years old that year I was uh, throughout the SN twenty with camps and stuff like that. Mm. But I got back and then we had the Curry Cup and I made my first senior debut mm. that year when I got back. Um, so that was that was really like a good experience. But then I think. The next big step was to Super Rugby. Yeah. The following year, and I ended up getting my start uh, there, which was quite. Um, or I ended up getting my debut there, which was that. So Super Rugby South Africa was big at that time, yeah. and my team 
prior to the year I joined, had about three final playoffs. So in a really good place. Yeah. Um, so yeah, when I joined, it was quite quite in a good place, if mm-hmm. I can put it that way. But yeah, that, that was the next big step. Super Rugby was, and I think growing up in South Africa, that's a big goal. Uh, yeah. Playing against Crusaders, uh, Waratahs, Flippin, yes. all those teams. It's one of those where you like grow up, you're watching those games and it's like, okay, this is... It's a bit of a pinch yourself. Like, yes. oh, I've, wow, I'm at this level now. And I think, to be honest, I think... Five, ten years ago, Super Rugby was probably the best tournament worldwide. I think mm-hmm. the competition level was really tough. You had South Africa and New Zealand who were dominating uh, world rugby. Yeah. So it's it's one of those where uh, growing up, that's probably a very big goal for a lot of rugby players in South Africa mm-hmm. uh, to play at that level. Um, and yeah, I think that year <laughs> was really good. I think... Uh, Similar to how I started, it took me a while to get my first start. And a bit lucky, I think, uh, I was on the bench. And then um, one of the boys ended up uh, picking up a niggle just before, two days before the game. Mm. And I ended up going and getting my start at fullback. And uh, I had, ended up having a good game. And then, yeah, no, it was good. And I think the nice thing was there were lots of competition in the team. Yeah, We had about, yes, I'm proud of Four former Springbok players wow. my, in the three positions that I played. <laughs> so, <laughs> and it was really tough to get to, to get a, a a go. But yeah, no. That, so you, that you, com- know if, you know if you're playing, you're there on merit, right? You're getting <laughs> yeah. over those guys. Yeah. But no, it's one of those where it was, it's good to get... Uh, that competition is always good for you. It's like I'm playing with boys that I'm still young, but mm. these guys have got multiple international caps. Two of them were still currently playing yeah. uh, at the time. So at the end, when I eventually got my nod ahead of them, it gave me a, a big confidence boost. Mm. Uh, but yeah, also you learn from those players. They've played at the highest level. They've been playing rugby for a much longer time than me. So you end up picking a few things, picking up a few things from them. And then when you get that chance, you just need to take it. I think that's... It's so interesting to hear... That gen, I think, probably in, in this country, we're very familiar with the path trodden by homegrown talents, right? Whether it's coming through the academy or university systems. But it's kind of here from you from the age of what, like 13, 14, but 15, 16, there was a new challenge every year almost for you in, in South Africa, whether it was the schoolboy stuff, then the SA under 20s, then the Curry Cup, then Super Rugby. There's always another level for you to take your game onto. Did you find that there was a lot of pressure? knowing that that next step was kind of your next short-term aim? I know you said short-term aims don't equal the long-term goal, but you've got to tick them off. Did you ever put that pressure on, okay, I've got to be thinking about getting super rugby? Yeah, no, I think you have to have those uh, short, that, that short-term uh, goal so that, like you say, you need to slowly tick off mm. uh, uh, the box, tick the boxes. I think one of those that you need to, I say the long-term success is the main goal, but, there's a whole process to get there. Yeah, I don't tick off any of the boxes prior to there. I'm, I'm never going to get there. So it's always, and I think that's where, I, what, I, what I've slightly seen being here over here for a couple of years, I feel like in South Africa, the, 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 the competition mm. at a younger age is, is very competitive. Mm. And I think, like you said, is that every year there's that new goal to strive towards. Yeah. And I think at the end of the day, it's one of those where I'm striving... For a new goal every year, you, 
Like they can't take your foot off the, yeah. the gas, and you need to keep going. And I think it's it's really, really good to to have that. I think I think it gets a lot of boys excited and like you can't become complacent. Mm. Like I make the get a senior contract, but I don't make under twenty. There's quite a few boys that's taken that leap ahead of me. Yeah. I don't get the shot at under uh, Super Rugby. There's quite a few boys that get the shot ahead of me. So I think it's one of those where you just need to keep. You just need to keep going at the end of the day. Is that partly why do you think you were so keen to jump at the opportunity to come and play in the in the Premiership in and challenge yourself in the in the UK? That there was you seem like someone Tyrone who doesn't turn down an opportunity when it presents itself. That you're kind of like, well, actually, if I'm going to do it, let's go and let's go and do it. So how did that move come about? From you've kind of gone through all those steps in South African rugby. When did England and the Premiership and, and Harlequin's going to come onto your radar. So, I was lucky. I had a my first my my debut season Super Rugby. I had a really good season, mm-hmm. uh, and then my next season also had a good season and um, ended up securing my position the following season. Uh, and I've experienced two years of Super Rugby, and then Quinn's approached, and then it was one of those where. I've played two years now at Super Rugby level. Yeah, I've experienced it. I've enjoyed it. Mm. Um, but then it's also the older you get, you start to almost look outside of your own bubble. Yeah. So it's one of those now. I've looked at like watched top fourteen on TV. I've watched Premiership on TV, all that. So then it's like okay, sequence play. <laughs> they going over to England. It's always that step. It's like I love running. I love playing running rugby, but yeah. the weather's in the UK. It's always been, yeah, it's one of those where a lot of South Africans will question their, their life choices when they come over. I can imagine what you, you land and it's just, uh, you're like, when does summer arrive? You're like, oh no, this is summer. Yeah, yeah. it wasn't great. Uh, <laughs> and then, but yeah, so, but then it's like, Quinn still play my style of rugby. So mm-hmm. I was lucky, the team that approached me at the time was the team that suited me the most. Right, so okay. it's one of those where, okay, there's a new opportunity um, and there's things I want to work on. So coming over, my kicking game was probably a big thing because even though Quinn's run, I know the rain is going to come there. Uh, it's going to rain. Yeah. Games. So I can improve aspects of my game and make my overall game a much better um, performance. So I think coming over, it was like I need to find that balance. Mm. I don't want to go come over and go to a team where I'm going to be restricted and I can't excel. At the end of the day, if you make that decision to come over just because of the opportunity, but you don't, it doesn't suit you, you don't excel. There's a lot of boys that I think that's struggled in that aspect in terms of they've made a big decision, but then it just hasn't worked out. And I think, because like you say, coming over, it's a, it's a big decision. It's a big step. So there's a lot of things that you need to take into account to make sure that everything works out. And like I was lucky that the team approached the team that approached me at the time was a team that suited me. It's interesting. It's interesting you've used the word luck a few times there, but then followed it up by talking about the hard work that you put in to do it. Right? You said you were lucky that you had a good season Super Rugby, but we've heard how hard you worked to get there. And you said, "Oh, lucky, I made my position my own." But again, you worked really hard to do that. Do you think that? And I don't, for a second, feel it comes across as faux humility either. That that's. That, that hunger that comes from within for you, do you think that's, again, what presents these opportunities? Yes, there's luck, but you make your own luck, right? That if, you're yeah, not, if you're not working hard, those opportunities won't be there for you to, 
either grab or discard. Yeah, no, I agree. I, th- I use the word luck, I think, more in, in, in the context that a lot of things can go wrong mm-hmm. in a career. Mm-hmm. And I think uh, one bad step or one wrong decision and you, you, you're in trouble for a couple of months or you, you, yeah. you, you need to then reevaluate where you stand. I think for me, it's, I've always had that drive and I think it's, at the end of the day, opportunities will present themselves mm-hmm. and you need to take them. And I think that's something I've been really good with in my career. Yeah. I don't let an opportunity get away and I, <laughs> I won't. Uh, I heard it's... <laughs> I heard a podcast, I think it was Ray Lewis who said it. It's like, if you lose your position to me, you're not going to get it back. Yeah. And that's always like, if I get an opportunity, I'm going full out at it because I'm not, that opportunity might not come again. Yeah. I don't take it with both hands. I'm flipping, I I might not get that opportunity again. So I've always... I've always thrived that give me the opportunity, put the ball in my court. If I don't deliver, then I understand. Yeah. It's then then it's then I, it's all on me. Mm. But when I get that ball, when I get that opportunity, I'm coming really hard, and that 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 that's been my mindset since since I was young. It's like it's that opportunity comes, you need to you need to take it, and I think that that that's where I say. I, I've been lucky that I've been good with my opportunities. It's like <laughs> I've gotten, I've gotten quite far uh, in my career at a young age. Well, it's fascinating to hear the way you kind of talk about taking those opportunities and and that idea that if you're going to give me an opportunity, well, I'm going to take it, and then it's, it's on it's on me, right? Like you spoke about earlier, controlling what you can control. So then I wonder, like with the the move to to the UK, yes, there's the rugby element. It sounds the right team at the right time for you in your career, but then. Outside of that, back to your other goals of having a happy family. Um, you know, there's there's someone else in this conversation. There's your your fiance at the time. Fiance time, wife now. Wife yes. now. Uh, congratulations. Um, how did you broach that subject of a potential move to England with her? Because obviously that's a a big change for you and where you're going to start your your family life together potentially. So I was lucky in terms of, the, I say lucky again. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I, I am lucky. My wife is really great. <laughs> yeah, um, we can say luck there. That's fine, yeah. Uh, yeah, so we've known each other since young. I went to school with her brother okay. and all that. So um, growing up, I've always been determined in terms of my, she's known that in order for me to be my long-term goal, mm-hmm. have a successful career, have a happy family, be financial stable. Rugby is my route, and I'm gonna go full out there. Yeah. So, from when, uh, from once we started dating, etc., it was she knew that if I have to move due to rugby, I need to make that decision because at the end of the day, in order for us to be happy and financially stable, mm-hmm. that 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 need that decision needs to be made, and she's been <laughs> loving and supportive for me from so she knew. If I move, she's following me. Right. If if I do, if, if I stay, she follows. So she's she she she's been very supportive of all my decisions, mm. and I think it's one of those where I did explain to her that as a rugby player, as a sportsman, there's a lot of like moving or decisions that need to be made in, in your career and stuff like that. Yeah. And she was very happy and supportive. Supportive, and when I told her of the opportunity to come over, she was actually looking forward to it. So. It was one of those where it's 
good for the family. And then, to be honest, coming over, uh, Annie Sanger has been a legend. <laughs> like, my wife has enjoyed it. She, she's loved it, yeah. Uh, it's probably the best experience she's had. A mm. um, little bit different uh, because I was quite young in my previous team. Yeah. But literally, she's come in. The other wives have been great. Uh, so it's one of those where the move was actually much easier than we expected. Uh, the transition right, was okay. easy. Uh, by the weather, uh, I think she sometimes <laughs> she, she, she she's more nothing's perfect of a summer hey? person. Yeah, 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 nothing's, yeah. nothing's perfect. Yeah, but nah, I think she's always been supportive of me, and I think from a young age I did tell her that I knew the decision that might need to be made in the future, mm. and I didn't want to get to a situation where there's conflict between me and her. Yeah, because of rugby or where my decision on rugby is not purely based on my future goal, like I say, success and best for my career. Mm. Uh, I don't mean financially, but I can take the next step in my career. That progression to, that, that gets progression, you to that goal. That might be the better decision to make. So as long as she, um, and then she's been supportive of me from the beginning, so... I am very lucky that you are very lucky there. Yes, yeah, you are very lucky that she was willing to give up uh, the sun and uh, lovely climate South Africa for. But Southwest London, there's there's worse places in the world, right? Yeah, Scotland, one of them. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So, so any rumours you may read in the future of Tyrone being linked to Scotland, we know is being rubbish (laughs) because uh, we'll 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 go to a point, but never any further than that. That really interesting. I, I wanted to ask that because I think there's obviously more to you guys as rugby players than than just the 80 minutes that we see on the Saturday. There's the family, there's the support network behind that. But often that can come, and certainly it sounds like with this group at, at Quinn's at the moment, that comes from within the team as well, that actually there's the rugby element. But, you know, you mentioned Andy Sanger, who looks after the, the, the player welfare um, here uh, at the club, and how keen he is to foster those relationships, right, with... Um, whether it be the other wives, the other girlfriends, the wider families of, of of players. Did you know about that before you joined or has that been a welcome surprise post being here about that culture and that environment? I think that every team claims to have it. Mm. And no no like disrespect to any team, I think every team claims to have it. And back in South Africa, I had one of my best friends mm. that I was very close with and, and then we had a little group of ours who were really close. So... I had my little thing there. Yeah. Uh, but I think coming over here, the inclusive of everyone, mm-hmm. players, wives, families, I think it, it, it was a shock. No, not a shock. It was exciting, if I could put it that way. Yeah. Because it's one of those, you know, every team to get you over or to get you to the team, it's like you've got a good environment, good atmosphere, good that. And yeah. I think every team does have their own environment that they're suited to. But I think coming to Quinn's, it was, yeah, it was, <laughs> it's hard to say, it was really enjoyable. I think it was, you, you, you come and it's, when it's game time, mm. it's game time to be serious. Yeah. But the environment off the field is, I get along with everyone. My wife gets along with everyone. So it's one of those, it was, it was welcoming. It was literally, it made the tran- transition into rugby easy. Like I just literally came in and played it. I didn't have to worry about any external factors. And it was literally, you just come in and do your job. Interesting. No, and then, and, then, and what a job you did, right? You know, we, I mentioned it in the intro, right? You got that, that debut again. You were 
maybe outwardly patient, maybe not so patient uh, behind the scenes, wanting to wanting to play, wanting to get your chance. You played in that game away at Newcastle Falcons. I think certainly supporters were saying, "Come on, we want we signed him. We want to see him. We want to see him play." And you scored two unreal tries, which in hindsight aren't even that unreal because you do it all the time, Tyrone. You're always you know carving out breaking lines. But were you focused on trying to make a mark with that opportunity and grab that opportunity? Was that go back to what you were talking about earlier? Of okay, I've got the chance to play, so come and get this shirt off me now. Yeah, I think. It's one of those where I've just come over to a new team, mm. so eager to get my chance, but also being patient. Because mm. um, at the end of the day, I'm new here, yep. so I don't like, it's not like my previous team where I've had two years senior experience, I've secured my spot. Mm. So you knew you, there, there is a place for you. You, you can't overstep your, your, your bounds. Yep. Uh, I think it's just being patient. And then, like I said, when that chance comes, you can't let it go. Like, if I got my chance there and I didn't take it, then I've got no one else to blame but myself. Yeah. So I think it was one of those, I got that chance and it was, okay, now we need to go what you had full out. And I think I ended up doing that. Mm-hmm. Um, which I was quite, yeah, happy about getting those two tries. Hey, I mean, you, you were happy. But then uh, I think Quinn supports up and down the country were, were very happy come the end of, uh, end of that season with your contribution. And I wonder... Towards the end of that season, you obviously came into the team, but not on the wing as a as a fullback. Um, after um, Mike Brown was was uh, kind of ruled out for the, the end of the the end of the season, um, and I wonder was there any additional pressure because of whose boots or whose shirt you were stepping into, or was actually it quite welcome to be carving out your own name and keeping those distractions at bay? Yeah, no, I think for me it was excitement more. Um, I played wing for quite a few few games prior to that, mm. but I've always loved the fullback position mm. and Brian was doing a real good job for us. Mm. Uh, so, uh, but when I got that opportunity, it's again, it's like, like I say, it's, it's Brian has gone for the rest of the season. Yeah. Um, I'm getting my shot at fullback. It's, okay, now I need to secure the jersey yeah. and make it mine. Uh, and the competition's always good. Uh, it's, it's always good. So um, having Brownie there and it was, we missed him. But yeah. then it was also like another opportunity for me to, 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 to put another a step forward. And I think mm. fullback get a bit more ball, get a bit more opportunities in the field. So um, it's one of those where... Uh, I didn't, I didn't want to let that opportunity go. Yeah. And even though it came off a negative for us as a team, mm. I really wanted to grab it and secure that jersey. And I think <laughs> I did it uh, quite well. In the I think you did it quite well. Yeah. Few games <laughs> afterwards. <laughs> but then do you think then perhaps that it was helpful that you and Brownie are such different personalities and players that actually it meant that you weren't trying to do what he does. You were playing Tyrone's game. So you were like, right, I'm going to show you what I can do. And then back to your point, if that hadn't worked out, at least you could say, well, I was honest with what I was doing and how I was playing. And the rest is uncontrollable. Yeah, I think at the end of the day, he's done it for so many years. He's Mm. probably one of the best in the game Mm. um, at the fullback position. So I think it's one of those where trying to imitate him, you just... (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah, you're going to kick yourself in the face. Uh, yeah. But I think that's one of those that, like you say, we offer different things mm. at the moment. Um, and it's, I've always, I've always been eager to, to, to put my, my mark down. And it was one of those where stay true to myself mm. and then God guns blazing and also confidence. I'm, I knew that if I ended up delivering and doing what I need to do, I know I can uh, uh, be at that level also. So I think for me it was, it, it's, you, you, can't, you can't play like someone else. Yeah. You can always pick up pointers, you can always learn things. But if you try to do what someone else does, they're good at that for a reason. And he's been doing it for a long time. So multiple international caps <laughs> for 300 Harlequins games. So he's one of the best to do it. So you're not going to gain anything by just trying to be the next Mike Brown. So yeah, thankful. Yeah. Not be yourself, right? You want to be, be the first Tyrone Green. Yeah. So I think for me it was more exciting and I don't, I don't let pressure affect me because mm. at the end of the day, it is big boots to fill, but it's also an opportunity. Fill those boots. Not saying I did that. <laughs> no, but, but what you're yeah. saying is you're not trying to fill those boots. Yes. You're playing in your own boots. You're playing yes. in your own shirt. So, and I put my mark down. Yeah. It, it, it brings something else. It, it yeah. brings it, 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 it brings something different to the team. So it was one of those that um, you look. You need to put your own mark forward and make sure that you can uh, bring something else to the team and make sure that the team benefits from it. Okay, and then we talked a bit about your kind of your long-term goals right in terms of um happy successful financially stable i think on that that last one financially stable i've got a, a question that we we like to ask on the on the podcast which is um would you categorize yourself as a, a spender or a saver uh, i would probably say a bit of both in terms of i like spending but i don't not extravagant like I don't, right, okay. I'm not an extravagant spender. My thing, things I like spending money on is quite like not big. So I'm not too yeah. big in those things. You've not got like an addiction to like really expensive, I don't know, watches, houses, no, no. shoes, those sorts of things. No, so that's what I'm, so that's why I say I'm probably in the middle. I don't have an addiction or I don't, I don't spend big money on big things. It mm. doesn't, I like my small things. Okay. So yeah, it's one of those where it's, that's why I'm in the middle, so not too far off either side. <laughs> but I think that's a very healthy place to be, rather than being. You don't want to be at the extreme of anything, really, do you? Uh, so, what when you say you don't spend on big things, but you do spend, what? What are the things that you kind of spend your money on? Yeah, so I've got like weird uh, tastes. Uh, so, so, <laughs> like anime, I love I love okay. my anime, so I've got tattoos on it. So, uh, collect collectibles like yeah. action figures and. The manga books or light novels. Yeah. Um, also your, I don't know what you call it, your building your action figures up and stuff like that. So okay. I'll buy those and got a few of them at home on a shelf and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So uh, I've got a big like, later when I'm older, mm. I want to have my own room with a lot of anime collectibles, books okay. and everything. So where I can actually have a case of them and it's like a whole... And that's like your collection that you've built, built up. up. Yeah. So like at the moment I've got a lot of books and quite a lot of action figures and it's just I was slowly building it up over time. Mm. 
uh, not getting too eager to buy <laughs> a lot at the moment. But yeah, I think it's just, yeah, that's probably one of my biggest like hobbies and stuff like that. So, And w- where does that come from for you? Is that something you've always had a passion for or did you come to it kind of relatively recently and kind of got really like lazy and really focused on it? So I think growing up, I think uh, Dragon Ball Z is probably my favourite anime growing up. Mm-hmm. Uh, the only one I watched to get home from playing with friends or from school and five o'clock every day, the half an hour shows on. Right, okay. So you really enjoy that and you really get, like, I really loved it. Um, but never actually really went further in Dragon Ball mm. while growing up. But then I'd say about three years ago, three, four years ago, I just started to watch the whole series over again and then decided to try something else. Yeah. And then, yeah, domino effect. And <laughs> it's a slippery slope. Yeah, and then I ended up, Really couldn't stop, and that's probably my main source of TV at the moment. Like, okay. uh, that's probably on our big TV and all the time. <laughs> and what what is it for someone that isn't a, a fan of 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 that per se? What is it about anime, uh, manga, those sorts of things that kind of draws you in? So, for me, I think that of course the the action, the graphics, I think is quite mm-hmm. intense and quite uh, good and difference between cartoons and anime for me is the concept and the stories like okay. you can actually there's actually a proper storyline a concept behind it that as a grown-up you can follow it yeah uh whereas cartoons it's more inclined for kids to watch and stuff like that so with um anime it's like like in the one anime uh, naruto one of the characters used to say that before we complete this mission make sure you visualize it at least three times in your head but if something comes up, you know exactly what to do. As sports people, wow. like before a game, you visualize what you do in the game. You visualize on how to approach a situation and stuff like that. I'm big on visualization also. So you learn small things like that from the show. Um, most of the characters I watch work extremely hard to yeah. achieve a goal or to be the strongest, um, trustworthy friends. So there's a lot of like values in life I think you can learn from there and... I think when I, like, three, four years ago started it and I got older and you actually then start to see a lot of the hidden meanings behind it and stuff like yeah. that. And then, of course, some of it is just fun to watch. The fight sure. scenes are quite cool. The, <laughs> the graphics are quite fun. Um, yeah, but I think, yeah, it is weird. I think not. A, I think <laughs> mentally, like, a lot of grown-ups can't, like, process like the animation on it. Mm. Uh, I understand, but uh, that's my thing. <laughs> I think that's why I ask, because it's maybe the sort of thing that on on paper, or if you read that, you go, well, I maybe like move past it for a lot of people. But I think to understand that, yes, there's the bit of, hey, it's something you enjoy, so like that's why you like to do it, because yeah. you enjoy it. But equally, that there is another angle to it, right? People read books, people watch movies, like Hollywood okay. movies, yeah. Marvel, whatever. Yeah. They're, they're not factually accurate. Yeah. stories or based on real events but you learn something you take something from all of that art yeah. and I think this is another form that is maybe a bit different but i think that has lots to lots to offer and it's interesting to kind of hear how you started by watching dragon ball z right yeah. and then oh that opened up yeah. that that world and i imagine it's a it's a huge world right yeah true uh like uh dragon ball z probably all in all have over 400 episodes You've got 150 from Dragon Ball. Wow. You've got two, I think 280 from Z. You've got 100 and 
40 from super so you got a lot of in one piece you got over 1040 episodes currently airing and it's still going that's the longest running anime though it's been running since 1999 wow uh, like i said naruto it's got 720 the spin-off has already got over close to 300 it's got 280 i think so you got those are your three biggest but mm. bleach 360 is also quite big um so all those animes are great to watch and those are your ones that's Sorry, very long ago. Yeah. So, like One Piece that I said has been running for about 24 years now. Yeah. Uh, you can actually physically see how the animation has changed over the... Amazing. Actually, course. yeah, watching episodes back from uh, 20 years ago. Yeah, and I've rewatched One Piece two, three times. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, it's, it's, you actually get so, like, shocked in terms of how the characters actually physically change over yeah, the years. Yeah. Uh, and then, of course, there's anime now that's quite very pleasing to it. To the eye uh, mm. and you you like the storylines you like the fight scenes the heroes the yeah. villains i think those are always quite good but then you also get your detective one so i think there's a lot of um different styles of anime which gives i think like i know who's it uh stylebender the mm. he, he he loves naruto and avatar um so i think it's one of those where it gives you a lot of options where you can yeah, but but it's more than just one genre, right? Like as you said, even there, horror, like, detective. Yeah. There's flipping fantasy. There's uh, what's adventure. There's comedy. There's actually slice of life where you go to school and yeah. they just normal ask children go or not children high school kids go to school yeah. and there's drama where actual real life like problems you face in high school. Mm. You would actually see how those characters go through the same. Same problems. I'm not a big fan of that drama, but <laughs> no, uh, no. But it's but it's the same as to break it down, and people look at it and go, "Is oh, you're a fan of anime?" But that's that saying you're a fan of movies, right? Like yeah, there's there's all those true. different genres, the yeah. different actors, the different styles, directors, all those sorts of things. It's the same just in this other medium. Yeah. And then it's even to an extent the, uh, the Chinese anime uh, that's that's also got a different side to it, mm. where they focus on the cultivation system. In terms of your body, the medicine healing, your, the energy inside your body, and stuff like that. Uh, some Japanese anime have got the similar concepts. Uh, so there's there's so many genres out there that I think you can literally find anything. You can find horror where mm. it's actually flipping, like literally scary. But <laughs> not for me that one. We'll uh, yeah, skip over that. <laughs> not, yeah, but yeah, I think that, that the variety is always out there. And yeah. like I say, for the last three four years, I've gone a bit overboard and i've watched a lot <laughs> but yeah and i enjoy it so it's one of like i say it's one of the weird things but fun do you, and do you find that it's helpful to have an interest and a passion like that that's away from rugby because whilst rugby is also obviously your passion you're very very good at it and it's something you do every day but it is ultimately your job and it must yeah. be difficult to not have that separation if you haven't got something else outside no of it. definitely i think having that 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 separation or Having something else where you don't even just take your mind off completely, mm. I think is always quite good. And anime has led to a lot of things. Like I've had a big appeal in Japan, J Japanese culture, the history and stuff like that, mm. learning the language a little bit. Oh, really? Uh, wow. Yeah. So it's one of those where through anime, I've, I've actually taken an interest in uh, Japan as a country as a whole. Um, and then also it's it's one of those where you... you, you you just learn new things and like 
I'm like wanting to write my own book mm. one day uh, through the animation and stuff like that. So it just creates, like you say, it's, it's just taking your mind completely away from rugby and investing a part of yourself in something else. Yeah. And yeah, hopefully it, hopefully it doesn't make me too lazy though. I think uh, I'm, I'm just thinking of that a little bit. <laughs> hey, I think you've got a, a, a nine-month-old, um, you say, There's, you've got no danger of being too lazy because <laughs> yeah. he'll, he'll be walking around sooner and that's it. Watching anime well, is gone. <laughs> I, I'm trying to get him onto the anime <laughs> so he can watch with me. Smart. That's that's smart. That's smart parenting. I like that. I'm taking notes. Uh, taking notes here. Um, okay. And then, look, this has been a really, for me anyway, Tyrone, really enlightening conversation to learn a bit more about who you are beyond an incredible rugby player, right? And kind of the different different layers and, and bits in, in, in your life and and those goals that you've set and how they kind of underpin everything. So I think I already know the answer to my last question, but I want to hear how you'd articulate it, which is in those difficult moments, right? Like, and that's right now, even you're on the comeback from a, a really serious injury, that injury you had when you were um, 16, 17, moving to a new country, all those different things you've experienced in those dark moments where sometimes you, you know, you can get, get low, get down. What is it that, you find joy in that kind of pulls you pulls you out of that yeah i think naturally my family at the moment uh like a part of me enjoying a little bit of time at home um got to be fair i'm getting a few sessions in at the moment so not much time but in the beginning uh, of the injury when i couldn't do too much and had to wait for the op and then just after the op i couldn't get too much done i think being at home with my little one mm. and uh my wife i think um, it's like it gives you a little bit more time at home and yeah. I think that that is always fun to to, 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 to have um, I think we're lucky at Quinn so we get a bit more time and I think a lot of uh, sports people do get but yeah I think that those those few weeks at home I think my wife was a bit um, <laughs> sad to see me <laughs> go after a few weeks at home um, that's what she told you Tyrone she was fine she <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, no. I think it's it's it's. I think that's probably especially this injury has been great. Um, mm. But also for me, it's it's always taking the positive out of it. Uh, yeah. This injury, it's probably one of my longest. Okay, it's actually the longest period away from rugby I've been uh, since I've started my professional uh, yeah, setup. Uh, last time I was away was like I say, sixteen, seventeen. I was away this long, um, but. Take the positive. I can work on a few things that I don't get to due to playing all the time. Yeah. I can um, improve a few aspects. I can maybe look after my body a little bit better. Um, so you always try work on what, work out what's best for you at that time, and take the positives out of it. Yeah. I think at the end of the day, it's it's there's no point in dwelling on it and being it's like, and I learned that from a very young age is that. I can do nothing about it now. After yeah, I got injured, yeah. I can literally do nothing about it on it. So it's pointless being sad. And it's one of those that's frustrating. It, it, it affects a lot of things mm. in the when you get injured. Uh, you can't progress forward in your career. You can't take that step forward. Yeah. But at the end of the day, there's things now that you can improve. You've got that extra time. Yeah. Like I say, f- family-wise, love it. Mm. Now I can actually work on uh, my body. I can... Uh, actually come back stronger due to the fact that I'm working purely on my quad now 
and right. okay, so I come back stronger. Um, so it's 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 always those you need to take out the positives and you need to move forward. And I think you said they're taking out the positives, but I think even just taking positive action right on what you can control as you say like it's an injury you can't go back and redo the day and not pick up the injury right it's, it's happened so you're here so what are the elements that you control to, to progress progress out of that but also recognize that maybe that struggle or whatever that is we'll use the injury as the example is not the only thing that's happening mm. in your life so there's the family there's anime there's there's all sorts <laughs> of other things that you can go well I've, i don't just have to look at my knee for the next eight months and wait for it to heal. Yeah, and maybe it, maybe it happened for a reason at the end of the day. So maybe at the end of the day something like so it's 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 always it's always you need to enjoy life. Yeah, you can't uh, dwell on and I, and I get it. I think it's not that easy for everyone. And mm. an injury comes at a really bad time. Mm. It's much harder to get over and stuff like that. Um, and I think I say I'm lucky again, but. I got my injuries when I was quite young, two big injuries when I was quite young. Yeah. So it's one of those now I learned from a very young age that you can't, there's nothing you can do about it. You need to move forward and you need to get better. Uh, so, but I do get it that there are really some times where you're on the verge of a, of a breakthrough mm. and then you pick up an injury yeah. or you've picked up multiple injuries. So, um, but yeah, at the end of the day, I think you need to just keep pushing and try give a positive mindset out of it. I love that. Well, that's certainly a key takeaway, Tori. And you said that you're lucky on innumerable <laughs> occasions, but I think as uh, I speak for all Quinns fans, when I say we're the lucky ones to have you, uh, you. at the club, um, we love watching you play and can't wait to see you back on the pitch thank soon. You. And uh, thank you very much for coming on the Diary of a Harlequin. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. Thank you for having me.